0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, uh, I wrote a poem this week. Uh, I've I've never got into poetry before. Actually, poetry wasn't a strong point of mine at school, but I thought I'd write a poem just to kick off my message today. Is that all right? Now, it was written at midnight, so I just apologize if it's a little bit rusty, but I want some encouragement. It's called, Now That i Found Jesus, and it goes like this. Now that I've found Jesus, everything will be just fine. No more problems or burdens, just happiness in God's favor all the time. When I'm in a hurry, the lights will turn green, and when I need a car park at Christmas, one will be free for me. When my wedding day comes, the sun will shine and when my crops need water, the rain will arrive. Sickness will elude me, money I'll have plenty and no worry will ever find me, overwhelm me or destroy me. My marriage will be painless, my kids will all be angels and even when I mess things up, no consequence will find me. Now that I've found Jesus, everything will be just fine. No more problems or burdens, just happiness and favor all the time. There weren't many amens in that. And I hope that you all recognize that I, in my poor attempt at poetry, not only have I combined poor rhyme, I've also combined poor theology. Because any of us that have lived more than five minutes know that the sentiment in that poem is just not true. Yet I wonder how many of us live or hold on to a core belief system that says that it should be. We, we laugh at the poem, but I actually wonder if deep down many of us carry this sense that there's something in that that should be true. I mean, if God is good, if God is loving, if God is generous, if God is caring, and if God is intimately concerned in my life, like the Bible says that he is, you know, he numbers the hairs on my head. He knows my every move, my every thought. Like if that is the God that we serve, surely there's got to be some perks then from being a person of faith that chooses to follow him. Surely things should work out because I've got Jesus on my side. So I don't think that we believe in the rhetoric or the the words of my poem, but I think there's a whole bunch of us that deep down wrestle with this sense Of when things aren't going right, what does that say about how God sees me? See, I wonder if some of us don't believe it, but we do believe it in how we feel in here. The Apostle Paul wrote a a great chunk of the scriptures. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, a, a whole chunk of the New Testament A whole bunch of letters that were written to churches, early churches, and and some great theological pieces in the New Testament were written by a man named Paul. Paul was a a very zealous religious man who had an encounter with Jesus one day on the road to Damascus. This guy actually had a personal encounter with Jesus. And it transformed his life. He went on to write a whole chunk of the scripture that we now count as sacred. He sacrificed a lot of his future and his own purposes and plans for his life to serve the purposes and plans of God. I mean, he's a very devout man, a very gifted man. He was the guy that is responsible through the power of the Holy Spirit and actually taking the good news about Jesus of Nazareth that came and died and rose to life and seeing it start to spread to all the ends of the earth. Like if there was a man in history that deserved some uh, reward for his labor, Paul would certainly be on that list. He embarrasses most of us with his diligence, his devoutness, and the way he gave everything in his life to serve Jesus. That is Paul. Paul also wrote a poem like mine, but you want to listen to what his testimony was? He says this in 1 Corinthians 2 chapter 11. He said, I've worked much harder I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely and I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move, been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I daily feel the pressure of my concern for all the churches that's Paul's now I found Jesus testimony anyone else want to follow Jesus right now we're gonna have a little article come on just this is Paul's story of what came when he chose to surrender everything to the purposes of God in his life I want to ask how we reconcile that and I've seen it a lot it's probably part of my own story but a part of many stories and For me, in over 20 years and having the privilege of being in vocational local church ministry, I've had the great gift and opportunity to walk with many people through their faith journey. And I've seen many people come to faith for the first time. And often when you first discover Jesus, when you first have an encounter with his grace and his forgiveness. And you just get not just a knowledge in the head, but a knowledge in the heart that you are loved and you are valued and you're accepted and that the creator of the universe just speaks life and value into you. Something just transforms inside of you. It's an incredible moment when you have that first encounter with Jesus and suddenly you start to discover life surrendered to him. And then you discover Christian community and you discover the joy of finding his word and making sense of his word, which when you start to apply it, helps you to do life better than you'd ever imagined life could be done. But then so often what I see is this, the initial momentum gets halted because circumstances start to kick in. Maybe a little bit of doubt, a seed of doubt, or maybe some opposition, Or maybe somebody that you really love and you care for that isn't as excited about your faith story as you are. Maybe someone in your family gets sick or maybe your business falls over. Maybe there's circumstances that now you can't make sense of. It doesn't feel quite like it did just a little while ago. You know, Every single one of us in our journey of faith is going to come across times in our life where where we hit those hard moments. And for some of us, it's just going to feel like a little speed bump. For some of us, it's going to feel like the whole world has just dissolved around us. Such are the circumstances that we face. And I've seen many people, when they come against these obstacles, choose to withdraw or step back or drift away. And the encouragement that James wants to bring us today is this. When the challenges come, don't lean out, but lean in. Listen to what he says. You've already seen it on the screen. He says this, James 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy. Is a crazy thing to start with. But consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James wants to say this. Trials and testing in your life and in your faith, if you allow it, will build in you perseverance. I'm a a football fan. I'm I'm equally an NRL and an AFL football fan. The one benefit uh, of the devastating COVID thing happening down south is there's a whole bunch of football games in Queensland right now that I get to go and enjoy the thing that I love. But I was listening to a radio broadcast the other day um, around the AFL and a couple of the commentators were talking about one of the top teams that had in the first oh, 13 or 14 rounds of the season not lost a game, but then they started to stumble. They lost two or three games in, in, in about a month and to some of the lower teams and suddenly everyone's writing you know, headlines, it's all over, they're not gonna, you know, people are starting to talk about the doom of this team. And One of the commentators said, I actually just think you need to wait. He said, you know, some of the champion teams in recent years have got to this stage of the season where they've been doing really, really well and then the strength and conditioning coaches get involved and they start to condition the players for what's to come in September. Because if you play AFL, it's not about the games that you win in April and May and June, July and August that matter, even though you need to win enough to get you to September. But once you've secured your spot in September, the thing that matters most is winning the ultimate prize, the AFL Premiership. This commentator said, oh, let me tell you about some of the teams that I've been involved in. They get to this time of the year and the team's doing okay and then the fitness trainers and the strength coaches and the conditioning coaches come in and they start working the team harder than ever before. And he said, just watch, a few of these teams are going to have some flat patches for a couple of weeks, but don't worry because through that they're going to grow and they're going to be ready to go when it really matters most. You know what, if we allow the trials that come against us, to be the thing that takes us out, we'll never actually grow through them to the point that God can use them to do something better in us. I'm not here today to tell you that God puts trials in our life. I think God allows circumstances sometimes to shape us, but but don't sit here thinking that God is the one throwing the arrows, but God can use any circumstance in your life to bring something good out of it. And James wants to say, if you allow the trials to do If you lean in in your time of trial, within your faith story, perseverance will be the thing that is produced. And if we allow perseverance to be produced, it can then go on to produce character. You know, parents, let me talk to the parents for a moment. What would happen if you just gave your kids everything they wanted when they thought they wanted it, and they were completely convinced in their spirit that they needed it at that moment? What would happen if you gave in every time your kids demanded something of you. Well, studies show that if you do that, you end up with spoiled brats as adults, right? There's actually studies that you can find that speak into that, that if all you ever do is give children what they want, when they want it, with no cost or no sacrifice, it doesn't actually help them grow up to be great adults, we all know as parents that sometimes we have to help our kids recognize that just because inside they've decided they want it and they need it, that in our wisdom we decide sometimes that they need to persevere through what it is they face. So they come out the other side as better people. It's like if we got given everything we ever wanted in life. You know, every time there was a new car, or a new house, or, or something new that we wanted and it just was produced for us, we wouldn't get the joy and the value that comes from working hard and persevering to actually see that thing emerge in our life it's the same in our faith if all we ever do is get handed stuff it actually doesn't produce the perseverance within us that allows us when the trial really comes when your faith is really questioned when people really want to challenge what you believe to be able to stand firm and persevere through it you see trials produce perseverance but perseverance also produces character romans 5 we also glory in our sufferings I mean, these are things we don't like. We don't put these on our wall, do we? In our homes. We we like the more encouraging, affirming verses in the Bible. I haven't walked in anyone's home where they've got crocheted on the wall. You know, consider it pure joy when you go through all trials. Or, Or let's glory in our sufferings. But the Romans says this, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. You know, one of the things you hear a lot around Christian circles is the is the phrase or the term of God's just been opening some doors for me. And you know what, in my own story, I've seen at times God open some fairly miraculous doors. Right now, Chrissy and I could attest that we are living in this suburb and involved in this church because we just felt a prompt from God's Holy Spirit. And when we just started to explore that a little bit some things just began to open up almost miraculously that allowed us to be where we are now i actually believe that at times god opens some doors and makes his will clear to us but i don't think god always opens doors the way that we think you see i think we take that theology and we think if it's of god everything in our faith walk should be easy In other words, if I'm living in sync with the will of God or the purposes of God in my life, every obstacle in my path, when I just nudge it a little bit, will be flung wide open. Some I won't even have to nudge because God will just open the door for me and I'll just wander right through. And you know what? Some of us have got testimonies of times when that is true. But you know what? I reckon there's other times where the door doesn't open, but it's not because God's not in it. He just needs you to kick down the door. And so if all we're looking for is the easy option, if, if, if we start to build a theology that says if God's in it, everything's going to be easy, some of us are going to miss out on the richness of the faith that God wants to produce in us and the fruit that's going to come from kicking the door down and continuing to pursue the things that God has called you to. A faith isn't always easy. Sometimes God opens doors and sometimes God just waits for us to knock him down. If you go to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, it tells the story of a, a very famous biblical character, the, the story of King David. And many of us in, in our Sunday school upbringings, for many of us, we heard many stories of David. David had some pretty cool stories that were attached to his life. But I just want to give you the little run that comes through the story of our 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 16. God speaks. And David is anointed king. Samuel comes and God says, I've rejected Saul, who was the king of Israel. He's done things that just, I've just rejected him as king, but I'm going to anoint a new king from the house of Jesse. And so he says to Jesse, bring out all your sons. All of Jesse's sons come out and Samuel, the prophet, walks down the line. And he just just knows that the, the one that God had anointed wasn't in the line. So he says to Jesse, well, are all of your kids here? And he says, oh, no, my younger son, he's off just doing his thing out in the you know, looking after the farm back home. Jesse in his spirit had already decided that David wasn't the guy, that it was obviously going to be one of his older sons. That was very much part of the culture. You know, the older ones carried more of the, you know, the power and the inheritance and in the family. But Samuel goes, no, 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 go get the older son. So they go drag David in, and Samuel sees David and says, This is the one that God has chosen. I mean, imagine in that moment being David, just hearing the affirmation of God over your life and a kingly royal position that the creator God was giving to you. We read that story in 1 Samuel 16. It then goes on to another really famous story, 1 Samuel chapter 17, where then David comes out and defeats the giant Goliath. I'm not going to retell that story, but miraculously, David comes out and faces the hero of the Philistine army and defeats him with a sling and a couple of rocks, and Israel is victorious in the battle. 1 Samuel 18 on the back of that victory that all the women it says come out and they start singing songs about Saul you know Saul has slain his thousands but David his tens of thousands like David starts to become a minor celebrity not just a minor celebrity a major celebrity within the Israelite community and he starts to grow in renown and the Bible starts to tell us how Saul the king at the time starts to grow a jealousy in his heart towards David. Think about David's story to this point. Anointed king, the word of God over his life, goes out, defeats the giant, now has the community singing his praises. We read that story in one, chapter, uh, 1 Samuel 16, 17 and 18. Then we turn the page to 1 Samuel 19. And the heading in my Bible just says, Saul tries to kill David. And from this chapter on, for, for a season now, David becomes the pursued one. David's life is in danger. And it hits some kind of a crescendo in 1 chapter, uh, one Samuel chapter 22, where it says that David, at fear of his life, flees to a cave, the cave of Adullam. Listen to what it says. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam, And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, And everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. And they were with him. And and there were with him about 400 men. God's anointed king, defeater of the Philistine army, praises sung on the streets, Attempted to be killed, fleeing for his life. Now the anointed king living in a cave, fearing for his life with everyone in debt, in distress, that was bitter of soul, gathered around him, and that becomes the group that he starts to lead. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like the king's journey that I would be hoping when God spoke those words over me of, this is my anointed one. I mean, if I was going to start a church and someone said, okay, done Ormo." Let's go do it again, but this time we're going to send to you everyone in distress, in debt, and in bitter of soul. I'd go, I am out. I'm checking out. Checking out. I'm going to go and work at 7-Eleven and clean the fuel pumps. There's nothing glorifying about that story, but it's the story of David, and it's the story that God allowed David to walk through. And then the story continues. David finds himself as the king of Israel, and his renown grows in the way that God uses him. He's incredible and through David's household began the line of Jesus. See, David experienced the absolute highs and he finds himself in a cave with a band of misfits. I wonder if David in that cave thought, did I hear God right? Is God with me? Is God for me? Is God good? Is God gracious? Is God generous? Is God intimately involved in my life? James would say to David, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind." Because those trials will produce in you perseverance. And when you go through that, when you persevere, God will mature you and use it in ways that you could never imagine. Mark, the gospel of Mark that tells the story of Jesus, tells it in a very quick-fire fashion. But in Mark chapter 1, he talks about one of the highlight moments of Jesus' ministry. Jesus comes down to the River Jordan. John is baptizing there. and Jesus says, John, it would be right for you to baptize me. So Jesus goes and he's baptized by John in the river Jordan. Mark tells a story like this. At that time, Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice from heaven, you are my son who I love and who I'm well pleased. I mean, I don't know about you, but if that is your moment, you would tell him that story until eternity comes. I just remember the day I came out of the waters and there was an audible voice from heaven and the spirit descended like a dove and God in front of everyone just said I'm your son and I love you and I mean that must have been a moment for Jesus where he was completely filled to the brim with the goodness of heaven Mark says in the very next verse at once the spirit sent him into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan he was with the odd, wild animals and angels attended to him. You are my son who I love. Heaven opens, audible voice of God. Spirit descends in the dove. And at once, the spirit leads him in the wilderness to be tempted, to be hungry, and to be isolated for 40 days. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, right now there's some of us that are walking through some really, really tough stuff. For some of us it's physical. There's just physical circumstances in our health or in our family or with our kids or with a relative or someone really close to us and and it's just tough. We can't make sense of it. We don't understand it. We've prayed fervently and we've prayed regularly and nothing seems to be changed. For some of us right now, we're going through some circumstances that, that are spiritual. It's, for you, it's like some people have described it like the dark night of the soul or their own wilderness experience. It's like you've just lived this life where it's, you've experienced the goodness of God and you've heard the voice of God and you've seen the favor of God and all of a sudden you find yourself in a wilderness place in a desert place it's dry you feel spiritually dry and empty you, you can't you're not aware of the presence of God God seems to have gone silent all of your disciplines feel twice as hard to you know like it's a, it's a burden right now it's, you're not finding the same joy that you had in reading the word and in prayer it's, it's like you've just hit the wall in your faith story some of us emotional For some of us It's relational. There's a whole bunch of us right now that have just right now in the circumstances of our life, it's really, really tough. And James would want to say this, now is not the time to question God or to lean out. Just keep pushing through. God might feel distant, but he isn't. And even if the circumstances you face uh, you, there's, there's no sense of God in them. God may have nothing to do with the circumstances, but he won't let the circumstances take you out. And he'll bring you through it. And he'll use it to grow something deeper and more resilient, more foundational in you. As people of faith, now we've found Jesus. Let's not run away from the things that come against us. Let's persevere through them, because on the other side is a deeper and a richer and a more resilient faith that will serve you well throughout your life. Lord Jesus, today we just want to sit in this concept of pure joy. Lord, only you and only the work of your Holy Spirit in us and the fruit of the Spirit that is joy could allow some of us right now to experience pure joy in the midst of the circumstances that we're facing. But Lord, your word encourages us to To look at the things that come against us, the trials, the temptations, the testing, the wilderness experiences, the cave experiences. Lord, not to give up in the midst of them, but to recognize and find joy in them because as we walk through them, Jesus, you can use them to produce something rich and deep in us. Lord, I just want to pray that you would minister to those here today that right now just are feeling the weight of the world around them. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and our locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.